Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we bring our series focusing on right-to-life issues to its conclusion as the Reverend Jared Ott also preaches his final sermon as senior pastor of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Pastor Jared will be preaching from Hebrews chapter 12 with a sermon entitled, Your Life Has Purpose. Here is Pastor Jared with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to see you all here. I want to thank Carrie uh, with Choices uh, being here. It's great that we're in the series called um, uh, Life Designed by God because we do this on a yearly basis, reminding people that, hey, life, your life has purpose. And that's why we've titled this sermon, Your Life Has Purpose. And what Carrie's trying to do is trying to help those parents realize they have a purpose with their children. And those children have a purpose as well. You all have a purpose in life. The question is, and I hope you'll wrestle with this throughout this sermon and maybe even today, is what is that purpose and are you running in the right direction? You know, last week we heard from Jason Burt, who was with uh, Silver Ink Thing, uh, now uh, Unaltered Ministries, and this week we obviously heard from Carrier Choices. It's been a pleasure of mine to have uh, worked with both of those organizations. I worked with Silver Ink Thing for a number of years, and then uh, now... Uh, working with Choices as well. In fact, we partner with Choices every year for their, um, their banquet. And so it's great to be able to be part of that ministry, be able to, to talk about how life is sacred and ordained and created by God for his purpose. The question again for you is, do you know what that purpose is for your own life? You know, as Robbie mentioned, uh, it's my last time preaching here at uh, Christ Church. I'll be here next week to say goodbye. But, you know, I've been reminiscing a lot over the last uh, week or so about all the stuff God's done here the last 20 years um, with me specifically. In fact, I got married right here on this stage 19 years ago and uh, to my beautiful wife who's here. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, I had, I had hair back then. And uh, I was thinking, it would be great to show a picture of my wedding, which you're all probably anticipating. Um, but I also realized that that, that uh, wedding album is packed in a box. So I thought, oh, I'll go downstairs and get it. So I went in my garage and flipped on the light and realized there's 60 boxes down there. So I looked at that pile and it said, pass. So you're not going to be able to see a picture. But know that I uh, love being here and love uh, what's happened here at Christ Church. Not just with me, but with, with the leaders and the people that God's used. You know, he's got a plan for Carrie. I bet you if I asked Carrie 32 years ago, did she ever think she'd be in this position right now of leading choices and the way it is with that mobile unit outside? I bet you asked Jason Burt with Silver Ink Thing if you ever thought, you know, do you think you'd ever think you'd be there? I know if you ever heard Brad's testimony, he was our worship leader, when he was in high school, there's no way he would have thought he would ever been a worship pastor, right? In fact, where's the miracle? He's here. Right? We are so grateful for Brad and his leadership and his, and his ability to, to lead us day in and day out every Sunday. But if you ask them, you, you, you would never think, okay, that's what God had planned. But God has a plan. And the key to it all is, are you going to follow that plan? You know, when I uh, preached my first sermon here as senior pastor, I read this passage. And it's fitting that we read it here today. It's fitting that we read this here today because not only does it apply to life designed by God, but it's my life verse, and hopefully you'll gain something out of this here today about God's plan for you. If you have your service sheets, it's in Hebrews uh, chapter 12 in your Bibles as well. In the back of your service sheet, I'm going to read it for us here. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love this passage because it tells us four things about how your life has purpose very clearly. The first one is that we see that there's inspiration. There's an inspiration that we have. The second thing is we see that there's a preparation that we need. And then there's a determination we ought to give. And then finally a consideration that we need to focus on. The first one is the inspiration we see. The inspiration we see. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know, we are, it's not uncommon to think that we are creatures of motivation, right? Many of you have uh, New Year's resolutions. Some of you have New Year's resolutions to get in shape, okay? Some of you need a resolution to get in shape, right? One thing I've noticed over the past uh, two, three weeks since the new year is on social media specifically, but also on TV, all these advertisements for exercise equipment, right? One thing I've noticed, too, is that you never see an out-of-shape person on those exercise things, right? Like, no one else has said, hey, I, I would love to be, look like that guy that weighs 900 pounds riding that bike. Yes, you want to look like that? Get this bike, this exercise bike, Right? You never see that. You never see obese or overweight people talking about diet pills, right? You never see people, hey, join our gym and you can look like this humongous person, right? No, but you don't do that. Why? Because we look for people that we, we, we aspire to be like. Worship leaders, music uh, folks, singers do not look for tone deaf people to aspire to, right? Brad does not come to my office on a weekly basis and say, Jared, could you sing this song? I just want to make sure I'm on pitch, right? <laughs> certainly can. They don't look for that. They look for people that they, they aspire to be like, right? And that's what this passage is all about. People that have inspired us. There are people in my life that have inspired me. John Guest and his ability to always, uh, the, the power of an evangelist and always sharing the gospel. Don Wilson, who Don w Wilson Hall is named after, was a pastor here. He is the one that did Deb and I's uh, premarital counseling. He, I've learned so much from him that I now use for premarital counseling with others. The idea of make sure you don't let the sun go down your anger. I always remember him telling me that. There's been uh, professors and other pastors that I've looked to that I've been inspired by, that I've been encouraged by. And that's what this passage is about. We want to be used for God that we're inspired by things. What you have to realize is Hebrews chapter 12 is a follow-up to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. You have to realize, in Hebrews 11, you'll look in Hebrews 11, there's a, there's a list after list of people who have been used by God. There's uh, Abel and Enoch. It says, by faith, Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, uh, David, Samuel. It goes list after list in, in Hebrews 11. And what the idea is, is that these are ordinary people used for extraordinary purposes. 
Ordinary people used for extraordinary purposes. There's nothing great about these guys before God got a hold of them. It wasn't that these people were, were so amazing. In fact, David, we find he, David murdered somebody, right? So did Moses. Noah was known to be a drunk. Gideon was terrified. We find Gideon, he was in a pit, fearful of the people that are going to attack him. And the angel comes and says, get out of that pit, Gideon. Abraham was old as dirt, okay? He was old. God still used him. These are people that inspire us. And when you look at that passage, it says, therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Many people will use this verse to, to say that there are people looking down on us. Now, I know some of you have lost loved ones in the last year. It's very fresh. And I know when people talk to me as a pastor, they'll say, yes, I know that um, so-and-so, my family member, is looking down upon me in heaven. Listen, your family member who is in heaven is rejoicing right now. They are delighted there because there's so much joy. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. But theologically, to think that they're looking down on us, I have issues with because heaven wouldn't be heaven if those that we loved were looking down on us, making a mess of this world. It's not so much that they are witnesses to us as much as we are witnesses to them. That's what this passage is all about. That we look at people from the past and go, man, God used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. People that had tumultuous past. People that you didn't think much of that are doing some great things in life. I hate to keep picking on Brad, but when you know Brad from high school, if you hear his testimony, you would think there's no way he would have been a worship leader. God used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. He's done the same thing with me in my life. He's going to do the same thing with you and yours. The question is, are you looking for that? Are you inspired by that? You know, one of the things, one of these people that are listed here has come up in the past six, seven months with Deb and I as we, uh, you know, make our transition to live outside New York City. You know, it, we knew God was calling us there. And, and my wife, who's a wonderful encouragement to me, reminded me over and over again about Abraham. You see... When God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter way, way back, way back in Genesis uh, chapter 12, the only thing that he says to Abraham, he says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. In other words, he says, Abraham, just go. Get up, take your people and go. I got a plan for you, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what that plan is. For me, it was a struggle because I'm very analytical. It drives my wife nuts. I will look at every decision, and I will look at it from every different point of view and make the right decision, but it'll take me forever. Deb hates it. She's, you're stuck. You're stuck. Sorry, you're stuck. Uh, but one of the things about this is that you don't, I, we don't know how it's going to unfold. You don't know your plan, how God's going to use you as well. And he, Abraham didn't either. God just said, get up and go. And then we find in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 8. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. They were hares with him in the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. He did not know that he was going to go and there was going to be a promised land. He was looking forward to that city, looking forward to the foundation. Why? Because God was there. 
That's why we're inspired. We're inspired when God says, hey, listen, I want you to use your gifts in worship ministry. I want you to use your gifts in the kids ministry. I want you to use your gifts uh, volunteering. Maybe it's not even here in the church. He's saying, hey, listen, I have exactly where you want to be. You think your job is a mess, but I want you to use you in your jobs to minister to the people around you that are also a mess. Or, hey, you're in a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe I, I put you there so you can be an encouragement to your spouse, encouragement to your children. Those are things that we wrestle with. Why? Because we're inspired by people who are used for God for great purposes. The question for you this morning is, are you being used for God? And are you inspiring anybody? So we have an inspiration. The second thing we have is a preparation. Look at the latter part of verse 12. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We think of throwing off things that are going to weigh us down. I remember in middle school, I, I was a, uh, we went to a very small school and uh, they asked if I would run track. We had to, otherwise we wouldn't have a team because we didn't have enough guys. So I said, sure. Uh, we didn't really have practice. We didn't have a track. So we just ran on the grass like twice a week. So I ran like four times before we went to a big track meet. Woo, I was ready, right? And they said, Jared, would you run the 100-meter dash? I said, fantastic. Um, I happy to. Uh, I realized once I stepped up to the line how um, uh, unprepared I was, right? Uh, every other guy had, you know, the, you know, the running shirt on and the, the, the short shorts and the running shoes, and they were in the starting blocks. I, I showed up in a T-shirt, baggy shorts, and basketball shoes. And I didn't even know what those starting blocks were. So everybody's down, you know, with their feet. And I'm, I, they said, ready, set. And I'm just like this, right? Eight of us, right? I got seventh. Seventh. The other guy pulled a hamstring. Okay? You don't have to clap. Nobody was clapping for me. Um, they also don't give out ribbons for seventh place finishes. Uh, I realized how, I was like a kite running down the track, Right? His shirt flapping in the wings, right? Baggy shorts. I was totally unprepared. When the Bible talks about running, preparation, it talks about getting rid of anything that hinders and any sin. Two things. You've got to realize there are two things here. Things that hinder and sin. Because some people say, well, it's all the same. It's not. Because there are things that aren't sin that hinder us. What are those things? Things like hobbies. You know, you may say, you know, I really want to be used for God, but I really want to keep my hobby going. Or, hey, I really want to be used for God, but my work is more important. Or I got to go to work. Or I want to use my money for God, but you know what? There's a whole lot of things I got to use my money for. Those are things, they're not bad. They are not bad. But when they dampen our enthusiasm for God, they're bad. The problem is not the weight. The problem is what the weight does. Some of you say, I want to be used for God. Then you need to start wrestling with some of the things in your own life to prepare for that. You've got to prepare for it. So there's, there's things that throw us off and hinder us, and then there's sin. There's attitudes, actions, behaviors that we have that would entangle us. And it's so easily entangled. What would that look like? See, nobody wants to get involved in ministry. No one wants to use their gifts when they know there's a deep, dark sin in their life, right? Nobody wants to share the gospel with somebody when they know that there's all kinds of sin in their own life because they say, I hope that person never finds out about me. I could never talk to my kids about who the Lord is, about living a right life, if my, uh, myself had bad decisions in life or not living right. You'll never want to get involved in kids' ministry or youth ministry or volunteer somewhere if you think that there's all kinds of sin in your own life. Why? Because there's going to be an overwhelming guilt. That's what entangles us. You've got to get rid of those things. Some of you need to wrestle with your own life and say, all right, I'm ready to be used by God. Then you've got to start preparing for it. Are there habits, things that keep you from following the Lord right now? Are there things holding you back? Are there things that you're doing behind closed doors that you know is not right? Because that's going to keep you back. It's going to hold you back. It's going to entangle you. 
So we have an inspiration, we have a preparation, we also have a determination. The determination we need. The latter part of verse 21 is this. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I've talked about this verse many times because it's my life verse. I'm realizing it because there are four words there. If you have your Bibles, you circle them. It's marked out for us. You see, if the, if the scriptures just said, well, let's run the race with perseverance the race, we'd be in big trouble. Because we all go, well, I've got to run like Billy Graham. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not doing these huge things in, in these major arenas and people coming to Christ. I, I, I'm running the race, but I'm not anywhere close to that. I'm not anywhere close to what John Guest does. I cannot do what Brad does. I can't do what other people do. The race, isn't, the race is marked out for you. That's your race. It's not my race. My race is not to lead worship. My race is not to do what Robbie does. Robbie is fantastic at what he does. As a middle school youth pastor, he's the best one that I know. But my race is not his race. Because he has different gifts than I have. God has said, hey, listen, I want you to work with those, those students, those middle school students. Some of you are working with Urban Impact. Some of you are doing things uh, in other places. That's your race. Some of you are in terrible jobs and you're thinking, God, get me out of this job. Where God wants you to keep you in that job because he wants you to use you right there. Because that's your race. That's your race. It's not mine. Some of you are not going to be called to go and minister like I am as an executive pastor outside New York City. It's not going to happen. That's okay. That's okay. You do what God's calling you to do. If God had given you a gift, you've got to do it. That's a determination. That's your race. One of the professors of mine wrote a book called The Great Human Race, and he was a marathon runner. And he said, the worst thing you can do as a marathon runner is stare at the guy or girl next to you. Because you'll get so exhausted because they'll run faster or slower and you'll try to keep up for them, with them and then you'll just get wiped out by the end. You can't look at them. You've got to keep your eyes focused forward. You've got to keep your eyes focused forward because your race is different than my race. Because you have different gifts than I have. Some people are going to be fantastic in kids' ministry. I, I walk down, I just walk through there and kids are screaming and hollering. Everybody's real calm. I walk through there as fast as humanly possible. Okay, because I don't understand what's happening. Kids are screaming, and babies are throwing up, and there's diapers. And so I, no, beeline, right? Because I, I can't, when we, we're babysitting kids, I have to have my wife within earshot of me because I want to be able to give it back, right? I don't do well with kids. Some of you have great gifts with kids, right? I could never be on the worship team. There's no way. I've tried out so many times, and Brad just keeps shutting me down, right? <laughs> Can't do it. That's okay. It's not my race. Going to a church where I'm going to support the lead pastors to preach every Sunday. It's great. That's his race. I recognize it's his race, and I want to come and help him do what he's called to do. Take all the stuff off him so he can focus on what his race is. Because I know that God, that's what God's given me to do. Some of you are in terrible jobs. Stop praying to get you out of the job. Start praying that God will use you in your job. Some of you are in terrible marriages. Stop praying that God will change your spouse. Start praying that God will change you to minister to your spouse. Some of you got kids that have gone off the reservation. Pray that God will use you to bring your kids back because your race is marked out for you. It's not my race. You say, well, Jared, you would never understand. No, I wouldn't understand maybe the situation you're in. That's okay because that's your race. And God's going to equip you and enable you to do it. Why? Because he's given it to you. 
and you want to find joy in life, it's finding how God can use you wherever he has you. So we don't stare at the people next to us and say, I can never do what they do. We keep our eyes fixed forward. Why? Because lastly, there's a consideration we give. What's the consideration? Look at verse 12, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You don't lose heart. You want to have joy in life. We keep our eyes fixed forward. Our prize is not heaven. Okay? Running a race, our prize is not heaven. The prize is for the Lord because we are able to glorify him with our gifts and abilities. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on him. My professor, when he's writing this book, he said, you know what's worse than staring at the people next to you? It's staring at your own feet. He said, try to run a marathon staring at your, staring at your feet. He said, you will make it a mile. Why? Because when we stare at ourselves and how we're doing, then we get really tired. But when we keep our eyes focused forward, we say, hey, there's, a, there's something out there that God's pointing me to. I don't know how far it is yet, but I'm going to keep going because my eyes are fixed on him. I have a terrible marriage. I have a terrible job. That's okay. We keep our eyes focused. God, you put me in this situation. Give me the strength to do it, to conquer it, to get through it. God, you've given me a call, a ministry, a mission to go somewhere or do something. Then I'm going to be determined to do it. That's my hope and prayer for you as a church. And no matter what God's calling you to do, that you're going to cons- keep your eyes on him knowing that's your race, not mine. And that he's going to equip you to do it because we all have a purpose in life. As we close here and we sing about Jesus being the center, I, I want to encourage you. When we sing this song, I want you to really believe it in your heart of hearts that he is the center of what we do. That he's the center for what we do. I, and I want to leave you with some questions. Here's some questions for you to consider. First off, is are you running in the race? Are you just living life or are you really running the race? You say, you know what? I've got a purpose in life. I don't know what it is. Uh, may have lived a bad life or had a bad childhood. Don't blame anybody else. Are you running the race because God's got a plan for you? Secondly, are you running in the right direction? Some of you are running in the race thinking, all I'm doing is trying to get a bigger house or a bigger car or a bigger body or nicer body, whatever it is, and I just want to, that's my race. That's the wrong direction. Are you running in the right direction? Thirdly, will anyone take encouragement from you while you run? Will anybody take encouragement? Will people be inspired by you to say, oh, you know what? Mom and dad, yeah, they took risks in life. Deb and I hope that our kids throughout all this, Caden and Langdon will say, you know what? Mom and dad, they took risks. They took risks and they, they, they went out on a limb and followed where the Lord was calling them to do. Will your kids look at you and say, man, you know what? I'm inspired by you. Will other people in the church look at you and go, man, I'm inspired to go out and do what God's called me to do. And finally, are you focused on him? Because you can go through life and you can be and uh, serve him, but you can get really tired by staring at your own feet. Are you keeping your eyes fixed on him? I leave you with this. I, I've been... Um, told by some over the past month or so they i'll say you know we're we're moving god's calling us somewhere else and they'll say jared best of luck to you best of luck and in my mind i think thank you i appreciate that but in my heart i think luck's the last thing i need because i need the lord there's nothing to do about being lucky 
It has everything to do about being faithful. The question is, are you being faithful? I once read in a book, use your uniqueness to take great risks for God. The only mistake is not to risk making one. He's lavished you with great abilities in this life and promised you the next. Go out on a limb. He won't let you fall. Take big risks by using your gifts to serve him. He won't let you fail. He invites you and me to dream of the day when he puts our hand on our shoulders and he looks us face to face and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word and how we can go through this life inspired by those that you've used for great things. Lord, that you've used so many people from the past to do great things for you, and I thank you. Lord, help us be inspired by that. Help us to prepare now to be used by you in mighty ways. Some of us are dealing with sin that we need to lay here at the altar. We need to seek prayer for. We have attitudes, addictions, behaviors, Lord. Help us to leave them here. Lord, I pray that you become motivated to follow you, determined knowing that this is our race. And Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed solely on you as the center of all that we do. We ask all this. We give you all the praise and glory. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?